On July 4th, 2019, Eva Kor passed away in a hotel room in Krakow, Poland. She was 85 years old. The longtime Terre Haute resident was known throughout the world as the Holocaust survivor who forgave the Nazis for what they did to her as a child at Auschwitz while leading a personal campaign to educate new generations about the horrors of those times. While she may now be gone, Eva's message has never been more relevant. Advancing Eva Kors' legacy is our topic today. Welcome to this episode of the Tuesday Talk Podcast. I'm Max Jones, editor of the Tribune Star in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each episode of Tuesday Talk focuses on topics of community interest and features interviews with those close to them. Our guest today is Alex Kaur, the son of Eva Kaur and a board member of the Candles Holocaust Museum and Education Center, which Eva founded. Alex, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate your being with us. Well, thanks, Max, for having me, and uh, I'm very flattered that you uh, asked me to be a part of this. Well, good. Uh, Before we get into the heart of our discussion today, I I want to ask you uh, about your dad. How's how's he doing? My dad's doing fine. Uh, I FaceTime with him almost every day. He's still not allowed uh, to be face-to-face with him in his facility in Terre Haute. Um, but he's doing well. I, I think there's a chance, Max, you might have another letter to the editor by this fall. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's, <laughs> he, he's, doing, he's doing pretty well. He's, he's playing the piano like five or six times a day because they moved the facility piano into his room because <clears> he's <throat> the only one playing it. So he's kind of perfecting his craft. Oh, wow, that's terrific. Well, that's really good to hear, Alex. And and for our readers' information, I'm, I'm talking about Alex's dad, Mickey Kaur, a longtime fixture in downtown Terre Haute. He was a pharmacist and uh, all-around good guy, and, and it's just really great, Alex, to hear, hear that he's doing well. Thanks a lot. Well, your, your mother, Eva Kaur, uh, passed away a year ago on July the 4th in Poland while leading an educational trip to the Auschwitz death camp, which he had done uh, many times over the years. Um, You know, it it had to be fortunate for her that you were with her uh, when she died, and I'm sure you considered yourself to be fortunate to be there for her as well. Uh, That said, I know it's had to have been a long, difficult year for you personally, so can you tell us how are you doing and what's the past year been like for you? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. It's um it's been a tough year and you know, in looking back when you know, when my mom became unresponsive and I tried to resuscitate her, quite frankly, it would have been the last place I wanted to be was in a hotel room in Krakow, Poland trying to resuscitate my mom. But conversely, I think if uh the series of events would have occurred and I would not have been there, I would have always wondered what would have happened if I was there. So, you know, looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but at the time, I didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel so lucky to be there. I felt it, it to be a just a terrible place for her to pass away, knowing that it was, you know, it's about an hour, an hour and 15 minutes from Auschwitz. So, um, yeah, the past year's been tough, and I, you know, it's, you know, I obviously still have my dad, and uh, not having my mom has affected me in a lot of ways. Um, but, 
you know, I went through the process of grieving and mourning, and I don't, you know, I've talked to friends of mine who've lost their parents, and a lot of people tell me, you know, you never get over it, and I kind of think that to be the case. You know, it's, we're approaching one year since she passed away, and, um, you know, the first couple months were kind of like awestruck. I really didn't know what to do, and and then gradually kind of things have fallen into place. Luckily, you know, I have a, a very a good job here in Lebanon, Indiana, and it's been a gradual process to kind of get back working, and that actually took my mind off a lot of things. Um, so, you know, I think for the most part, you know, like anybody that loses a, a loved one, a parent, um, you're never prepared for it, at least I wasn't, because it happened so unexpectedly. But, um, you know, over the period of time, you know, we had the memorials in Terre Haute, and and then in Indianapolis, of course, and um, you know, one of the things that kind of has motivated me, which will probably lead to some of these other questions, but one of the things that has motivated me was that within a month of my mom passing away, there were two op-eds, one written in the Washington Post and one written in a, in a Jerusalem Post that really wrongly depicted my mom's ideas and, quite frankly, have served for me to serve to me to motivate me to just try to make sure that people don't misrepresent what she had worked for her entire life and obviously now she's not here to defend herself so for me that has been a motivating factor well as you mentioned we're approaching the first anniversary of your mother's passing and and i do suspect that even now, you're feeling a wide range of emotions as we approach that anniversary. What kind of thoughts are going through your mind now, and do you have any specific plans to observe this anniversary? Well, you know, I, I don't have any, you know, the, the vast array of emotions are obviously, I'm happy that I had her. She actually was 85 when she died. She we at one point thought she was born in 35, but we found out years, several years ago she was born in 34, so she was actually 85, not 84. So, you know, I know plenty of my friends lose their parents much, much, much earlier in life, um, and so I feel that I was very fortunate to have her for so long. And then on the other side of the coin, you know, there's still a... a, a, a you know, a area of uh, loss and pain and, and a, um, you know, a, a kind of a defect in my life. I mean, really for me, um, I would talk to my mom every day. I texted her every day probably the last 10, 15 years, either texted her or called her. And usually on my way home from work, I'd call her and make sure she was okay or find out where she was lecturing. <laughs> and that's the time of day, quite frankly, right around, you know, late afternoon, early evening is the time I really miss her the most because, you know, I I work and usually I'll go play tennis or work out. And on the way to the sporting event, I'd call her and she'd tell me what she did today. And those are the times that I really miss her the most. And you know, I don't know that that'll ever end. Um, but you know, I think there's also besides loss and besides being happy. You know, there's a uh, thought that I need to try to continue to do some, if not all, of her life work. I'm not her. I'm not the survivor, but I'm the child of two survivors. So I feel a sense of responsibility, a sense of obligation, so people don't forget what she stood for. And I don't expect people to agree with everything she did. And in fact, I didn't agree with everything she did. Yeah. Right. But 
But, you know, I think that it's important that people don't mislead other people about, you know, she didn't forgive for all the other survivors. She forgave only for herself, and that was part of the the two op-eds that totally misrepresented what she stood for. So, you know, I have a lot of emotions. To answer your second part of the question, I am just now trying to figure out what I want to do for right around July 4th. I've got some plans, nothing firm yet. But there may be something done virtually that um, maybe people can look online in the next 10 or 14 days um, to see what what I have planned. But from a public standpoint, yeah, I'm hoping to have – I'm involved in a lot of activities to kind of perpetuate my mom's legacy, one of which is do something you know, on the anniversary of her unfortunate death. Well, we'll be anxious to hear what you do have planned, Alex, and by all means keep us posted on that. Um, you know, legions of people around the world now know your mother's truly remarkable story. Uh, she was 85 years old when she died, but it was really during her later years that the power of her message began to resonate and and her following grew. As you watched all this happen around her, how did you see her transform herself from a child survivor of the Holocaust to someone who presented such a positive and uplifting message to those around her you know when i hear those nice reflections of my mom you know there's two ways i've always thought about my mom one is the 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 mother-son relationship and so when people would say all these nice things particularly years ago i'd say yeah but she's just my mom you know it's not like (laughs) and yet i know i know on the other hand that you are correct that probably in the last 25 years, last 30 years, really, you know, you know, she had her most productive years kind of were at my age now and moving forward. So for, for those of people that are that tune into this, you know, sometimes people say, oh, yeah, I'm going to retire when I'm 58, 59, 60. That's really when she really got going in her life and kind of found direction and focus. So for me, it gives me hope that maybe something – like that will happen to me. But, you know, along the, the, the trials and tribulations, um, you know, if we date back to the, there were a lot of down moments, uh, 1987, you know, when I had cancer, when she donated a kidney to, to my aunt, uh, when she was arrested in the Capitol Rotunda, that was probably the worst of the worst. And then, you know, I think what, 1993, when my aunt died, so, you know, it, there have been some really bad times, but probably in the last 27 years, you know, she was an expert, and she always taught me and my sister that, you know, you always want to turn a negative, you know, into a positive. Sorry. And I think really, you know, over the years, if she would, uh, she'd always managed to kind of pick herself off the, the, the mat, so to speak, and um, I think... As a son who kind of followed this 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 uh, process along, that's like the biggest take-home message for anybody. Is you know, no matter how how tough things get, sorry, you I know, understand. I think it's important. Yeah, it's important that we all try to you know get up off the mat and do something to make the world better. And, and in her case, sometimes she was just trying to get her name. You know, so that people wouldn't, you know, think of her in a bad way, and that 
pretty much continued to the very end. But she, you know, would put the blinders on and she knew what she wanted and she knew, you know, the focus um, of what she wanted to do. And, and at the, in the end, I think she did a lot of good in the world. And, you know, it's very flattering for me to um, realize, you know, all the nice things that people say about her. Um, and so, you know, the process over the last 25 to 27 years, particularly since my aunt died, um, were a lot of ups and downs. And really, quite frankly, the downs were 27, 28 years ago, and the ups were the last 25 years. Well, it really has been quite inspiring in so many ways, as uh, as you list. But one of the things here that she will be uh, uh, remembered for, um, among the many things, is... Uh, uh, the Candles Holocaust Museum. Uh, your mother was instrumental in founding and building in Terre Haute uh, this, what has become a, a local treasure and will be a major part of her legacy as we move on. H- how do you see the museum's future without Eva as its visionary and its leader and its inspiration? Um, and do you plan to be involved with the museum yourself in some way in the future? answer the second question first i mean i've been involved indirectly with the museum for years as of february of this year for the last four months four months i am on the board of directors and i'm trying to help and and to go back to your initial question we're going to have some challenges because um the problem of quite frankly my mother uh to be as transparent as i can my mother being the major fundraiser for the museum She's no longer there, and now we're dealing with a pandemic. Um, we've got a lot of big, big challenges, um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. I'm hopeful that in another 25 years, Candles Holocaust Museum and Education Center is in Terre Haute. I, I hope so. Um, they're, you know, the, the vision and the focus will probably be, you know, obviously surrounding my mom, her her legacy, uh, her her efforts to help people by showing how she forgave the Nazis. Uh, but I also think there's other opportunities for Candles Holocaust Museum to highlight, for example, my dad's story, uh, Walter Summers, who's also um, involved with the museum, who um, is um, from Germany and left Germany and, during Kristallnacht. So I think that, you know, I think there's some opportunities there, but like any not-for-profit in this day and age, particularly during the, pan, you know, as a result of the pandemic, we've got some hurdles, And uh, but I hope and, uh, and quite frankly pray that things uh, get back on the right track and we can, you know, the candles will always have a home in Terre Haute. And, and so that's, uh, that's a good question, and hopefully my involvement will help a little bit. Well, we, well, we hope so, too, and wish you a lot of luck on that front. Um, you have said uh, since your mother's passing that, uh, and you've said it to, to us today, that you want to continue her work and build on her legacy any way you can. Um, has someone whose parents both were Holocaust survivors, how do you see your role in coming years as advancing that message? Well, that's a question and an answer I'm still working on, but I do feel like a sense of responsibility, sense of obligation. My thought is if I can do anything 
in any way to continue my mom's work, not just with candles. So I'm involved in multiple projects. I, anytime somebody contacts me and says, would you want to talk about your mom or your dad? Or To me, I think that's kind of my role right now. Um, so, you know, uh, I would be remiss, you know, in the fall after um, the two memorials, I was approached by the Indiana Historical Society in Indianapolis, and we will have an exhibit um, called the Eva exhibit uh, in the, probably the first quarter, first half of 2021. And um, I think the plan is to have a 18 month to 36 month run and then see where it goes. But at least it would have, um, you know, kind of a highly visible location in Indianapolis for people that maybe can't make it to Terre Haute or for people that can make it to Terre Haute and kind of see two uh, different ways that my mom has been honored um so and i'm involved in a lot of other things you know i'm i do some i'm doing a lecture to a group of educators in south dakota in july via zoom so you know i i can't replace my mother um but i think i can tell part of her story and tell the story of how it was to be the child of two holocaust survivors you know years ago i lived in washington dc and a friend of mine who was involved with the U.S. Holocaust Museum had arranged for me to speak. This was probably 15 years ago. Had arranged for me to speak at the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in, in D.C. And um, the U.S. Holocaust Museum at that time did not allow second generation to speak on their parents' behalf at all, period, whether your parents were alive or dead. So I had to give a lecture outside in an in a outdoor cafeteria adjacent to the museum. So, you know, I think at some point, unfortunately, as I've just experienced 11 months ago, survivors will be passing away. And if, um, if we are desiring and hoping to keep their memories alive, I do think that institutions like the U.S. Holocaust Museum, like other museums and other organizations, I do think that the second generation have the ability to tell the story of their parents, and and not firsthand, but pretty darn close to firsthand. I, I mean, we can get this out of textbooks, we can get this out of, you know, scholars and educators as well, but I do think that I, as somebody who's interested in being involved, has a role that, you know, hopefully future generations <coughs> will be at least allowed to hear my mom's words through me. Well, Alex, this past Mother's Day, you had posted on social media a poignant letter that you had written to your mother. And uh, I was wondering, after going back and, and reading over that uh, letter, uh, I wondered if you were planning to do something similar or write something similar to her uh, on the anniversary of her passing. And, and if so, what, what might that message look like? I am, I am working through that. I will be writing something. You know, this started um, three days after she died. I think July seventh. I was in a plane back to the United States, and I just sorry. I felt this incredible need to write something down, and so that's when it started. So I think I've done four. That was July seventh. I did one October fourth. And then December, and then and then Mother's Day. So I think I've done four. And yeah, I plan on doing something. I try to make them funny. I try to make them emotional and somewhat inspirational. So 
I'm working on it in my head. Well, good. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something, and hopefully it's good. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's difficult, and what we find is oftentimes through through some of that pain is what uh, is where we find some of the greatest uh, inspiration. Um, Alex, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I know it's not easy, but you do do it so eloquently and with such grace, and and I appreciate it very much, and and certainly wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much, and let me just take this opportunity to say, thank the residents of the Wabash Valley for everything they've done for both my parents. Um, it's um, sorry, it's a real pleasure to go back home and to be treated. Sorry, thank you. To be Tom. treated to be now to be treated, um, you know, so kindly by everybody, and so. Hopefully my dad will be around for a while. And I just want to say thanks to everyone. So thanks a lot, Max. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm sure everyone appreciates that and, and wish, wishes you and your dad the best. Yeah, and he's uh, pulling for the Boilermakers as well. I'm, I'm, he's the Purdue's best and biggest fan. <laughs> Okay, Max. Thanks th a lot. Th Sorry, th I got a little emotional. No, I understand that completely. I, we really appreciate it, Alex, and, and hope to talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Have a good day. Special thanks to Alex Kaur, son of Eva and Mickey Kaur, and a board member of the Candles Holocaust Museum and Education Center in Terre Haute, Indiana. Episodes of this podcast are published each Tuesday at Tribstar.com and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. That concludes this episode of Tuesday Talk. See you soon. For the Tribune Star, this is Max Jones. Until next time.